so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Welcome back to another episode of Weekly Tech, a technology and ethics podcast focused on navigating this digital age with wisdom. Weekly Tech is a project of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, and I'm your host, Jason Thacker. As always, alongside this podcast, we also have the Weekly Tech newsletter that you can sign up to receive each Monday morning, which is designed to help you think deeply about the pressing technology issues of the day and also to stay up to date on the latest technology news. You can subscribe now at jasonthacker.com slash weeklytech. In today's episode, I'm joined by my friend Trevin Wax, who serves as a vice president at Lifeway Christian Resources, and we talk about his latest book, Rethink Yourself, The Power of Looking Up Before Looking In. We'd also talk about the rise of individualism, especially with the influence of technology and social media. Trevin is a former missionary to Romania and also hosts a blog at the Gospel Coalition and regularly contributes to the Washington Post Religious News Service, World Magazine, and Christianity Today, which Christianity Today named him one of 33 millennials shaping the next generation of evangelicals. He's author of numerous books, and he and his wife, Karina, have three children. And now let's join our conversation. Well, Trevin, thank you so much for joining us here on Weekly Tech. As we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your new book, Rethink Yourself, and why you wanted to write it? Yeah, I, you know, I love asking questions about the way people think without thinking, um, what it means for us to have certain assumptions based on our environment, based on the culture that we've grown up in. And one of the things I wanted to do with this book was to to take what passes for common sense in our day, which the common sense view is basically, for many people in North America, it's the idea that the purpose of life is to look inside yourself, to discover your deepest desires, and then to express yourself to the world. And my goal was to take that and to say, you know, that's not that's not common sense everywhere. Uh, that sort of look in to find yourself and then express yourself. Uh, other parts of the world would say you look to the community to define you, to tell you who you are, what your role is. And biblically speaking, there's a, actually a counterintuitive way that would have us look first to to God, his design for us, before we even look around or we look inside uh, to see who we are. And so my goal was to to take some, some pretty heady and lofty concepts about how we perceive our identity and to translate them down, so to speak, you know, to to make some of those concepts more accessible for the average reader so that um, just anybody whether they're a believer, an unbeliever, whether they've been in church a long time or brand new to the church, that they could follow along with these conversations about life's purpose and see how the Bible's way is very different than what passes for common sense today. And to present a view of the gospel that would be compelling to uh, to people in our in our time. 
Yeah, I know that's one of the reasons I really enjoy your book and all of your writing for that matter is because you do, you engage a lot of these kind of heady, deep theological concepts, but you do so in ways that are inviting uh, that I could hand this book to anyone, lay leaders in our churches and say, hey, let's think through these kind of things. And I know one of the things that I really enjoyed about the book is that you highlight some of these phrases like follow your heart, you're enough, you do you, or you got this. What are some in the book? I know you talk about this, but can you talk to us a little bit about what these slogans kind of reveal about our culture and kind of the mindset that we have um, in this kind of individualistic culture? Yeah, well, I think the slogans are actually expressing the the philosophy. That, slogans express a philosophy of life, a way of looking at life, and these slogans that are like "you be you," you know, "be true to yourself above all else," "chase your dreams," "follow your heart." All of those things are really they're they're giving uh, expression to this this impulse, this way of thinking that would say that the purpose of life is to be unique, is to be yourself, to to find out you're the only one who can determine your destiny. You're the only one who can define who you are. No one else can tell you who you are. No one else can tell you what you can or can't do. So you define that. You are the definer and determiner of your destiny. You define yourself by figuring out what it is you want the most, what the biggest dreams are that you have in your heart, and then you run after them, and you you do that in opposition to anyone who might come against you and your way of of thinking. Um, you know, there's a quite a few kids movies, Disney ones in particular, that that's sort of the narrative arc of the movie is this idea that you know you're going to um, you you've got to follow your heart above all else. And so I think those slogans are actually, the reason they're popular, uh, it's not because everybody means everything about the philosophy behind them every time they use a slogan like that, but those slogans do point to something in our culture that we sort of just look at and say, well, of course, that's, of course, that's, of course, you're going to be true to yourself. I and mean, what's the, you know, the alternative is to be false to yourself or to, where we basically, the slogans show that our minds, our imaginations have already been, been uh, captured by these the, these different philosophies, these different ways of looking at life, and I think they I think it's high time that we interrogate them a little bit, ask questions of some of those slogans that we all just take for granted, and that's that's what I'm hoping to do in the book in a compelling and an inviting way. Well, I guess to get to a little bit of the spoiler section of the book, um, as you're talking about seeing ourselves in light of kind of this ancient wisdom, uh, these, this biblical narrative and the creator God, how does our understanding of ourselves in light of a creator God, in light of Jesus Christ and the gospel, how does that reshape and help us to rethink ourselves? Yeah, I, I think the, um, the most important thing to understand is that when you bring God into the picture in the way the Bible presents him, um, you are not bringing a bit of supernatural or divine or transcendent, uh, you're not bringing a, a dimension, a spiritual dimension to your life only. You are actually talking about the God who is at the blazing center of all things. He is at the center of the universe and he's at the center of our lives. There is no concept in the Bible for God simply being on the periphery of one's life. So if we're going to, the moment we bring Jesus Christ into this discussion and we look at what he says about life and about the purpose of life and about living, when we look at the New Testament and living in light of the cross and resurrection of Christ and whatnot, there's really no, if the gospel really is as amazing 
and astounding news as we say it is, there is no category for a gospel that doesn't upend everything and change the direction and the priorities of one's life. There just isn't. And so I think when we say we want to rethink ourselves and we want to bring the gospel to bear on this and we want the gospel, we want the the Bible's view of God to be brought into this conversation, we are stepping into a situation in which there's going to be a complete reorientation of our desires, of our priorities, of how we look at life, at us revolving around God and His design and our purpose of being a display of His glory, being made in His image, of our desires connecting with His desires for us and for the world, and then for us you know, living up to the definition that He gives us as those who follow Jesus. You know, I think once we bring the ancient wisdom of Jesus and we bring the the, the Bible into view here, we're looking at a very counterintuitive approach to life. And that's what I hope will come across in the book, is that people will see just how counterintuitive, but also how compelling this, this gospel is, even for people in our day and age. And I know some of the most pressing questions, at least that I'm thinking about pretty regularly, are issues and questions surrounding technology and specifically social media. How do you see a lot of technology and social media influencing the way that we think about ourselves and kind of bringing that megaphone to this individualistic kind of stream that functions often underneath um, our consciousness and awareness in our culture? Oh, I think it's a there's a massive influence here of technology and social media. Uh, in, in, a, in a number of ways. I mean, social media, for example, gives us the opportunity to consistently reinvent ourselves, you know, to to continue to alter and tweak the the self, our self-display, our, our putting ourselves on display for others. Um, there is a social game that is being played through social media. And you see this, I mean, just as one example, and it's not just teenagers, of course. This is for this is the same for soccer moms and for people all across the the country who are online, but through virtue signaling and or what whatever it might be. But you look at teenagers and the 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 sort of social game, the social hierarchy that you have in a in a typical school, um, that all plays out online as well. You know who's friends with who, and who is liking what posts on Instagram. Or you know Facebook or something or what, um, you know making sure that you get the exact right take or the capture the exact right moment that you want to share with others to create an impression of what you are like and what your life is like and who you are, the the sort of remaking of yourself when you get tired of a persona that you've you've put online. All of these are very influenced by social media, and technology really comes about not much as as much through social media platforms, but as through uh, the, the smartphone, the, the smartphone simply being at the center of so many of our, of our lives. I mean, I, I think about um, the fact that everywhere around, like, well, how does it change us as people when very close to us at almost all times of the day is a device that reinforces the notion that we are the center of the universe? that everything is there designed for us and for our preferences and for our needs. I mean, that's really what a, an individualized, personalized smartphone is is doing. It really does put us as the sort of the center of all things and is reinforcing that. And then social media and the affirmation we get on social media um, is is also one of those things that we we come to rely on. So I, I think this sort of individualistic 
be true to yourself sort of understanding is reinforced through our online habits and through the technology that we have often right in our pockets. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point because I mean, even sitting for me, I have a cell phone, but I even have an Apple watch where I'm getting notifications. And I know a lot of times people are talking about kind of life hacks or tips um, to kind of curb our often addictions to social media or kind of an overuse of social media and dependence upon. And I know there's been a lot of conversations surrounding uh, the latest documentary from Netflix on the social dilemma and some of the things and things that it pointed out about our lives that we don't often like to acknowledge. Um, Um, and the ways that we, the patterns and habits that we've developed with technology. What are some of the ways that you think we can rethink some of our habits in terms of technology? Because there was a story a few few weeks ago um, that was talking about how social media addiction isn't really the right term. Because often when we talk about addictions, we talk about breaking the habit, breaking the addiction and putting it down and walking away. But we're not really going to do that with social media and technology in many ways um, because there are good uses of them. So what are some of the ways that we might be able to rethink some of those habits and patterns that we formed with technology? And what have you seen maybe even successful in your own life of using social media and these technologies wisely? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think the answers will be different for different people, of course, depending on their particular life stage their occupation, their vocation, all sorts of things. But just to give some general guidance in how to think about our habits, um, you know, habits are, by very definition, unthinking things, right? They're the things that we do without thinking or the things that we, the, the, the sort of patterns of life that we adopt, whether intentionally over time or unintentionally, they become patterns. Um, I, I think it's going to be important for us. I mean, it's one thing, you could always come out with the answers and just say, well, what we need are just general spiritual disciplines, you know, the classics like read your Bible every day and pray and, you know, uh, go to church and which of course are all very important. But there, if, if, if the vast majority of our lives are spent on social media or on our phones, and let's say we incorporate Bible reading into that in a way that, you know, we're downloading a, a verse or a paragraph a day into our Bible app and we're commenting on it, other people see it. You know, we're posting a verse image. All of these are great things, good things, but they they can very easily get sort of drawn into the orbit of just the normal social media world that we already have into which where we're basically using the Bible to cultivate the kind of inspirational image that we want to portray. Um, it brings to mind something Jesus said about making sure that your righteousness is not done before others so that they give you praise, right? But that is done in secret and your father will reward you. I think we've got to be we've got to be careful that we don't just simply say, well, these disciplines will be the the things that 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 fix things. I, I think instead we need to 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 look ahead to habits that will deliberately draw us back to God being at the center of all things. So I think of an example that I've been recommending for several years now, which is the the idea that um, you don't sleep in the same room with your phone. And when you wake up in the morning, you wake up either on your own or with an alarm clock, and the first place you go is the the desk or the chair or the area where you have your Bible, and you spend time in Bible reading and prayer. Maybe not a half hour, or maybe maybe only maybe ten or fifteen minutes, but you you spend time in prayer and Bible reading before you open up your phone and the app and hear the news of the day or get on social media or get online. Why why 
Why is that? I mean, uh, people could say, well, that sounds very legalistic, Trevor, and you don't know my life, you don't know what. Yeah, I, I'm not saying this is a, thus says the Lord. This is just a, this is not a, a legalistic requirement that is is there for holiness. But one of the things that we would be communicating to ourselves when we deliberately say, I'm going to have the first engagement of the morning be scripture instead of my phone, is that my phone doesn't come first. God and his word matter most. You know, and I think we're going to have to come up with a number of habits like that, where it's not just the habit of Bible reading, but the the habit of Bible reading in a way that will subvert this sort of self-centered vision of reality that is going to be constantly compounded by our by our social media habits. Um, I think we'll have to get creative. I think it'll be different for different people, but that's really what we will need to be thinking about as we, if if we really want to. Um, uh, to to live in such a way that we're going to stand out. Yeah, I think that's a really helpful way. I've, the way I've been talking about as of late is kind of this uh, process that technology is discipling us. It's changing us. It's forming us into a certain type of person. And as Christians, we need to be rediscipled in many ways, um, is rediscipled in the image of Christ. And as you wisely point out throughout the book, is that God is the center of our universe. We're not, um, which really pushes against a lot of the things that we've um, been exposed to and repeatedly exposed to to kind of build these habits in this culture that we live in. And as Christians, we are called to be countercultural in many ways um, in pushing back against a lot of the idols, um, a lot of the proclivities of our age. As we kind of close out our time together today, I wanted to ask you maybe what's the next step? Somebody picks up your book. They found this really, really interesting. They found it helpful for their own lives to be kind of interrogating those worldviews and kind of the cultural assumptions. Maybe what are a, another book or two that you would recommend is like a good, healthy next step, whether it's in technology or whether it's in the broader scheme of things in terms of uh, pushing back against a lot of these kind of cultural idols and uh, proclivities? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think it really would depend on where, where the person is is wanting to go next. Um, I mean, if it's a Christian who picks up this book, who is challenged by some of these concepts and realizes that they may, even though they may be in church or they may be maybe have been a Christian for a long time, have have unknowingly been more discipled by the world, by technology, by social media, by worldly philosophies than they realize, um, I would would recommend that probably the next step be a, um, a, the, a a book that would take you through the storyline of the Bible that would allow that to to be something that would um, show you the, the the dominant worldview that we're or, or the overarching story that we're called to live in. Um, either that or another book would be uh, if you want to go a little deeper into some of the concepts of rethink yourself uh, would be Tim Keller's Making Sense of God which is a, a little bit of a, a deeper dive into some of these concepts. Um, when it comes to technology, I think there's several good books out there from a Christian perspective. Um, you know, The TechWise Family by Andy Crouch or 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You by Tony Ranke um, are two that come to mind. Uh, I, I, I think that there's a, a lot of work that we can do in just helping people understand how technology is shaping us, how our habits are forming us. Um, and it would be good for us to to take a little bit of a deeper dive into looking at some of those things so that we can be more informed. And it's, I like to use the example of, you know, when you're out at the beach and you're, let's say you're trying to catch some waves. And if, you know, after about 15 or 20 minutes or so, 
if you're uh, if you're if you're out in the ocean and you you look back and you notice that at first you might think someone moved all my things and then you realized oh no um, I'm the one who moved I just I sort of drifted because the currents of the waves were pulling you and you didn't even realize that and you you know you've what do you have to do at that moment well you've got to kind of trudge back against the current a little bit and you've got to realign yourself with whatever you left on the beach you know wherever your chair is or whatever whatnot I think we're going to have to look at books and resources, habits and other things in ways that recenter ourselves with the priority of scripture, with God at the center of all things, knowing that the currents of this world are going to pull at us. And unless we are intentional, and unless we deliberately recenter ourselves, realign ourselves with the word of God, we are going to drift. I, I think I think different resources, different habits, those things will help us uh, to stand out and to be faithful in a world where it would be very easy to to just drift along with what everyone else believes or thinks. I think that's some really wise advice, and thank you for that. Um, and thank you for joining us here on Weekly Tech and taking the time out of your busy schedule to help us think through a lot of these issues. Because as you said, rightfully, these are some of the most important issues because this is the current and kind of the culture that we live in. And being able to have the veil pulled back and kind of understand and see kind of these undercurrents um, that we often fail to see when we're utilizing technology and social media and things. I think it's really helpful. So I just appreciate you taking time to join us today. Well, thank you, Jason, for having me. It's great to be with you. Well, from all of us here at Weekly Tech, I want to say thank you for listening. If you enjoy Weekly Tech, would you consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app? These reviews really help us to know how we're doing and also to share the word about Weekly Tech with others. As a reminder, you can connect with Trevin and learn more about his latest book, Rethink Yourself, in the show notes. You can also sign up to receive the Weekly Tech email briefing each Monday morning, which is designed to help you to think deeply about the pressing technology issues of our day, as well as to stay up to date on the latest tech news. You can subscribe at jasonthacker.com slash weeklytech. Thank you, and I hope you have a great week.